1: Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, many people have been there. Uh, the latest is actress Thera Fawcett seeking alternative therapies for her uh, for cancer. She has uh, signed on to go to uh, one of the clinics available in Germany, Germany's University Clinic in Frankfurt. Of course, uh, the media buzz is that, oh my goodness, uh, she may be putting her life at risk. And of course, the same can be said of some clinics in this country. We know the power of our plate. It's uh, a great book that has really stood the test of time. Uh, uh, The book coming out of Dr. Neil Bernard uh, and the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, The Power of Your Plate. Today, we're talking about, okay, what type of food, how it's grown. The Organic Food Handbook brings the editor and publisher of the non-GMO report, Ken Roseborough, join us today. We'll talk about what is organic food, why it's produced, why it costs more, but why it's the better choice. Your questions about the Organic Food Handbook with Ken Roseborough joining us today right here on Healthy Talk Radio.
0: Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest.
1: Intriguing research uh, published in the Public Library of Science journal. This is an interesting journal, a British journal, published online that takes absolutely no advertising from pharmaceutical drug companies. So it not only publishes innovative uh, research, it seems to be much more science-based research rather than research focusing on the sponsor's product. This research comes out of Canada, McMaster University, a randomized double blind trial men and women age 65 and older a six-month program of regular resistance exercise and creatine what they found uh, the combination of exercise plus supplement increased muscle mass now why do we care Um, our muscle mass matters as we age because more muscle mass equals optimal aging more muscle mass equals um, less obesity and being overweight more muscle mass equals better bones more muscle mass equals better heart more muscle mass equals better sexual function so in men and women age 65 and older creatine supplementation. No, do not believe that the media frenzy about creatine. Look at Purdue, Ohio State, Penn State, Ball State, Memphis State University, researchers who have joined us on the air to say the, the research is there, the science is sound, and if it's, it's very safe if used wisely. A combination of creatine and exercise helping men and women age 65 and older to build muscle, which makes a difference when it comes to optimal aging. Well, it's French researchers writing in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition reporting that daily consumption of sterile containing milk worked it reduced the bad form of cholesterol, that LDL, that LDL which is a target when it comes to uh, stopping or even regressing plaque, just drinking sterile-containing milk. If you don't like the milk, you can get um, sterile-containing spreads, um, spreads like butter. You can get um, sterols in supplement form. Uh, Wakanaga uh, has a great one coming out of South Africa. Lots of research on it called MagiCare. Numerous clinical studies finding that daily consumption of up to 3 grams a day of phytosterols, you can even get these from flaxseed. Grinding your own flaxseed or high-lignin flaxseed can reduce total to cholesterol by up to 20%, significantly reduce the bad form of cholesterol and uh, do more in terms of overall immune system health, all from eating naturally occurring compounds from nature. And of course, if we ate a lot more fruits and vegetables, (laughs) we would get more of these plant sterols uh, than ever before. Swedish research, um, a consistent pattern, Of increased risk for glioma, that's not a good brain cancer to get, and acoustic neuroma, that's a a little benign tumor that can appear on the acoustical nerve that can be linked to tinnitus, using a cell phone for more than a decade doubles the risk of some brain tumors as well as acoustical neuroma. We have so many people who spend their daily lives slapping that phone up the side of their head, never thinking about talking hands-free, never thinking about the length of time that they talk on the cell phone, never thinking about that if uh, your child uh, uses a cell phone, um, the depth to which that radiation penetrates their uh, their skull is much more than it penetrates the skull of an adult. Uh, we have talked of uh, with Dr. George Carlo. In fact, he'll be back this month. Here is the uh, just—he's oh, a pathologist, research scientist, attorney. Uh, David Kessler, Dr. Kessler from the Food and Drug Administration, called him 15 years ago and said, "Hey, George, you know we've never done any long-term safety studies on cell phones. Are you up to the task?" And first he said no, then he relented, did the studies, the. Um, Uh, Manufacturers of mobile cell phones literally tried to destroy his reputation. They didn't want to hear the the information. And his premise is, use it wisely. Use it safely. His website is safewireless.org, safewireless.org, with additional information published in the journal Occupational Environmental Medicine. Swedish research that long-term cell phone use can increase your risk of brain cancer Double it and increase your risk of developing an acoustical neuroma um, that can result in uh, things like tinnitus, which can certainly affect your quality of life. We've talked about it for many years. It's one of the most often repeated misconceptions. Ooh, it's hot, it's spicy. Couldn't be good for you. Burns, burns your stomach. Well, of course, the research shows it can actually help heal stomach ulcers. It's a powerful way to relieve um, itching. And now, Harvard University have found that with capsaicin, that chemical that makes chili peppers heart, they can target uh, pain receptors. So, in theory, it means that a woman in labor could have an epidural without losing the ability to to move her legs or the sense of a baby being born that conventional local anesthetics affect all nerve cells think about the last time they anesthetized you that you were in a dental chair you know your whole mouth was numb you couldn't feel or sense or taste anything and you you kind of drooled well chili peppers according to these Harvard researchers don't do that that numbness is a side effect of the pain-killing properties of local anesthetics, but the molecule from capsaicin that makes it hot opens a channel in the cell wall of nerve cells big enough for a molecule that interferes with nerve signals to get through. So what they find is that the chemical from chili peppers kills pain without affecting touch or movement. Isn't that intriguing? That they've tried this in laboratory animals. They find that an injection of this unique molecule, molecule from capsaicin kills pain and causes no other uh, effects. You know, you can't, it's not that you can't feel your body. You know, anybody who's undergone a minor surgical procedure and gotten a local anesthetics, you know that feeling of numbness, of not being able to control your legs or your arm or if you're in the dental chair, your, your mouth. Chili Peppers can fire painkillers without affecting touch or movement. It's all published in this week's journal, Nature. It may change the field of anesthesia forever. Well, it comes from this week's American Medical Association news that Americans eat out much more frequently than ever before. Fourteen states, three cities... Have either passed or considering measures that you have to be able to see the nutrition information on the menu or on the menu board to know what calories, what fat grams you're getting. Because after all, so many of us eat unconsciously. Well speaking of eating consciously, the organic food handbook brings Ken Roseboro to us today, the editor and publisher of the non-GMO report. We invite you to join us for a discussion of organic food on Healthy Talk Radio.
0: A vital part of your daily health regimen, vitamins, supplements, and Deborah Ray.
1: Well, having just returned from the Natural Products East Expo, you heard uh, me talking about, oh my goodness, the Organics Pavilion. Well, what do you know about organic food? We are joined today uh, by noted journalist in that genre. He is the editor and publisher of the Non-GMO Report. We'll give you uh, the website to find out more about this monthly newsletter that focuses on the risk of genetically engineered food. And the book that brings him to us today speaks to each and every one of us who understand the power of our plate. So what does it mean to go organic? The book is entitled The Organic Food Handbook. The author uh, joins us today, Ken Roseborough. Ken, hello and welcome.
2: Hello, Deborah. Glad to be here.
1: So give us a, a background, of uh, your insight. Obviously, with your journalism skills, uh, you could focus on many areas of interest. This appears to have dominated much of your professional career. Why your interest in, in this arena, Ken?
2: Well, um... Just had an interest in healthy food for quite a while, um, eating good, healthy, nutritious food for my own health, and I started eating organic quite a few years ago, and and just believed that in the value of eating of, of organic food for your health and also for the environment. Um, I just believe that organic is uh, is a much better way to go as far as eating. Much healthier and uh, environmentally friendly and good for farmers uh, it just has a very holistic many holistic benefits
1: before we delve into uh, some of those, those reasons and, and uh, you know exactly what it means to to go organic um, I was surprised recently to Ken to, to read a very interesting article in The Wall Street Journal about organic wine industry. And it focused on um, organic wine industry in Europe and made the eye-opening comment that they've always been <laughs> organic. So, so, what happened? Trace for us the history of what happened that we find ourselves now faced with uh, trying to go organic with countries uh, that that never left going organic. Ken?
2: Yes. Um, well, Europe, uh, European countries, particularly Italy, I think, um, have had a long History of 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 eating organic, of having organic good organic foods, because I don't think they've they've just they haven't used the the chemical pesticides and fertilizers that have been widely used in in the United States. A lot of European um, countries, their farms tend to be smaller, whereas here in the U.S. we have large, very large farms. And the agriculture here has become very industrialized with, with the use of, of chemical fertilizers and pesticides and genetic engineering. while European farms have, have a lot of them have maintained that um, you know smaller size so they don't need the chemicals and the, and the pesticides and, gen- and gene- especially genetic engineering. So organic, I think, is a long tradition in Europe. Um, before the word was even, uh, was even popular, I think the, the word organic became popular in the, uh, the 1950s with, uh, uh the Rodale, um J.I. Rodale, uh, popularized popularized the term with its publication, Organic Gardening.
1: So when we talk about you know the, the the need for pesticides, you know how did that industry, agricultural industry in this country, forever change? why did it feel that it needed pesticides and herbicides uh, and herbicides and and uh, you know um, uh, stimulants in, in terms of of nutrient content for uh, for the soil? Ken.
2: Well, agriculture just in. Like, like many other industries, um, there was this, a move to industrialize. Um, and agriculture just followed that uh, industrialization. It was, it, it really uh, started probably in the late 1940s after the Second World War. And actually, a, a lot of the chemicals um, that were used during the war, um the U.S., we found that we had a lot of chemicals that had been used during the war, and we needed uses for them. So some of them were actually applied to agriculture to make chemical uh, pesticides, particularly pesticides, and also fertilizers. So that, that move to industrialize our agriculture really um, started in the late 1940s and has just continued today. Um, and it's, it's interesting because that style of agriculture is called conventional agriculture, but it's actually only been around for the last 50 or 60 years. Uh, organic production has, has, has is much older, um, has a much more, um, longer, much longer history. It's been around much longer than what, what's today called conventional agriculture.
1: So the people involved in in conventional agriculture uh, in this country, the people that consume these foods, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll certainly progress in our conversation, Ken, to now the genetically modified foods. You know what's been going on behind the scenes of anything to take a look at. You know what was the the effect on the 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 environment as well as the effect on human health of this grand experiment in this country, Ken?
2: Yeah, that's um, yeah that's. Good question. Um, well, since agriculture has been industrialized, um, you know, the food, as a result, of food production has also become industrialized. So, as a result, we have today at supermarkets. We have there's lots of processed foods, highly processed foods, and they also uh, genetic engineering, uh, genetically engineered crops were introduced about. Uh, 10 years ago in 1996, and um, they've just become a part, another part of industrial agriculture. And the risks of genetically engineered, it is a mass experiment, as you you mentioned. Um, There are a lot of unknown risks to uh, genetically engineered crops that we just don't know. Um, A lot of these crops, particularly corn and soybeans, canola and cotton, have been approved, genetic, the genetically engineered varieties, and now they make up a majority of our conventional agriculture. Eighty-nine percent of the soybeans produced in the United States are genetically engineered, and more than 50 percent of the corn and 70 percent of the cotton. And the long-term effects on this, as far as our health mm-hmm. and the environment, are really unknown at this point.
1: So given the fact, in fact, we talked to the Arizona State University researcher, I think uh, uh, her name, Dr. Janet Wilson over there, uh, Ken, um, that the vast majority of Americans get their vitamin C each and every day from their morning orange juice. Well, four years ago at the American Chemical Society, there was an interesting presentation of oranges grown conventionally versus oranges grown organically. The conventional oranges had about 60 milligrams of vitamin C. The organic oranges significantly more 100 milligrams of vitamin c so obviously we're we're eating less nutrients and we now it's i mean everybody knew it it's it's now been confirmed what we thought we're more obese we have more chronic diseases than literally any other industrialized country on the planet who's connecting the dots here
2: I think the dots are starting to be connected. Um, There was just some um, research that came out recently that found that our conventional foods have become less nutritious over the past 50 years. Um, With conventional agriculture, with industrial agriculture, the emphasis is on producing more and more and more. But uh, by doing that, they've, they've appeared to have sacrificed the nutritional value of the foods. So the yields are higher, but but the, the foods are just not as nutritious. And several um, research studies are finding this out. And with organic, you, you see consumer demand for organic is growing by 20% a year because more and more people are realizing um, that organic is better, that organic is healthier, for is better for human health,
1: Let's let's talk about that. Let's delve into that. So hold that thought, Ken, because we don't want to miss a minute. Ken Roseboro joining us today, the journalist who's the author of the Organic Food Handbook. We invite your questions, 800-307-3002 on Healthy Talk Radio.
0: You're listening to TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. The information presented on Healthy Talk Radio is all well documented and presented by credentialed guests. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, how much do they know about medicine anyway?
1: Ken Roseborough joins us today. He is the editor and publisher of the Non GMO Report, which is an important monthly newsletter for all of us who understand the dots do connect. Um, let food be our medicine, medicine be our food, the, the power of our plate. What are we eating? What is the nutrient content? How does um, you know the preparation of food uh, affect that? And how, of course, does that ultimately affect genetic expression? You know, books like The Food Pharmacy, The Green Pharmacy educate us a, about that premise. He has authored a new book, The Organic Food Handbook. And for people who want to find out more, is there a website, Ken?
2: Yes, uh, we have a website. It's wwwnon gmoreportcom Okay. and yeah. people can um, find out information about our newsletter, our monthly newsletter, as well as my book, The Organic Food Handbook.
1: Great, and some some excellent sample articles there as well. I've got a lot of questions for you, but um, uh, Terry does as well. Terry, hello and welcome. You're on the end with Ken Roseboro. Yeah. Um... Deborah Ray had a guest a couple of months ago, and I just briefly heard him, but he was saying that uh, organic celery isn't as good for you as regular celery, something about it being weaker or something. Have you heard that or have any comment on that?
2: I haven't heard that, no. Um, I'm not aware of organic celery being not as good for you as conventional celery. um I wouldn't understand why it would because no, I didn't get it either. So yeah. yeah, I
1: didn't hear that, Terry.
2: Yeah, because research is starting to show um, there's studies that have have been done and are being done comparing conventional and organic fruits and vegetables, and these studies are starting to show that organic uh, fruits and vegetables have are, are have higher levels of antioxidants and and more vitamins.
1: I, I don't uh, I think it was one of those um reports that you were reading that somebody was doing research and, they, and somehow that that celery was weaker than the that they did test and that that, that organic celery was uh, weaker nutritionally than uh the regular so I I it sounded fishy to me anyway so but
2: I was just mm. curious if you had heard anything Yeah no I haven't Terry, we appreciate
1: your input and your interest. An open phone line to invite you to join us at toll free at one 3002 So, when we use this term organic, you know, we find it even dominates uh, marketing campaigns, business pages. W- what does organic food mean, Ken?
2: Organic. Um, it's actually when we think of organic, we think of a food product, but it's actually a, 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 a process. A Process of producing food that, that is holistic in that it integrates the soil, plants, animals, and people into an ecological whole. And there's benefits at, e- at each stage that producing organic enriches the soil, which in, create, in turn creates healthier plants, and healthier plants in turn produce more nutritious food for, for people. And organic organic foods also have to be certified um, this means that they're produced according to certain standards certain strict standards and they're certified and so this assures assures consumers that the term organic is backed up by the certification that it that it's produced to, to strict standards.
1: Now is there some sort of, of label designation in terms of this official certification can?
2: Yes, there is. Um, the certification is actually under the um, auspices of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the National Organic Program. And the there are, if the term organic, it's, it's interesting because the term organic is one of the most regulated terms in the food industry because if someone wants to put the organic label on their product, they have to go through a certification. The certification process. No one else, you can't use the term organic unless you've gone through a certification process. Mm-hmm. And there's different levels of the label. If you see the USDA seal on a product, the mm-hmm. USDA organic seal, the, the circle, circular uh, green seal, this means that the product is either 95 or 100% organic. Then another label designation says made with. Organic ingredients. That means that the product is contains seventy percent organic ingredients.
1: And in, in terms of you know what um, uh, producers, you know farmers need to go through to to gain this organic certification of a crop, what's entailed with that, Ken?
2: Well, first thing is that farmers can't use chemical pesticides and fertilizers. They can't use genetically engineered crops or seeds um, and they also have to so and they in order for a conventional farmer to be to grow organic they have to go through a three-year transition in order to do that to make sure that the soil has um, eliminated the the chemical pesticides that they may have used in the past or the fertilizers and the organic farmers have to Go through. They have to follow certain practices. They have to um, rotate their crops. They have to to use certain crops to help build the soil because they can't use uh, fertilizers, chemical fertilizers. They have to use which what are called green manures to help build their soil. Uh, and there's certain crops that do that. So they have to follow these certain production. Practices in order to be certified organic
1: now we spoke of uh, you know the unfolding difference in, in nutrient content. Uh, what about um, uh, you know for for aspects of for example, we've certainly seen with some of the e coli scares um, you know runoff from agricultural uh, operations that uh, grow crops organically. What does it mean to, to the local you know, farming environment, the local agriculture in, environment in, in states, for example, like Iowa, where you are, Ken, to go organic?
2: Well, it's, it's very beneficial to the soil and uh, to water because there, there's no concerns Because there's no chemical pesticides or fertilizers used, there's no runoff into streams and the research has found that organic is it helps to protect water sources because because there's no threat there's no pollution threat to waters here in in the midwest there's a big problem with nitrogen fertilizers that run off and end up in the Mississippi River and these flow down into the Gulf of Mexico creating a huge what's called dead zone um, where the oxygen has been removed the oxygen in the water is reduced and it, it's killed lots of fish and other plant life so with organic production there's no problems with that at all so it's very beneficial for the for the environment and it's very good for the soil growing organic farmers who use proper organic practices there's a big emphasis on on building the soil because I, I mentioned before, Building healthy soil creates mm-hmm. healthy plants, which in turn creates healthy, healthy people. You could say. So there's. Um,
1: so debunk some of the myths, if you would, Ken, because obviously there was an allure for many years that was it, you know, increased production, um, you know, less in, in, intensive farming in terms of not using these pesticides and, and herbicides. You know, what does science now teach us in terms of? Know, what uh, you know? What has now debunked that allure of uh, you know growing in a conventional fashion?
2: Well, science is just starting to, to discover the benefits of organic organic farming. Um, there are certain studies that are coming out now showing the the health benefits of, of organic crops. They're comparing they're growing conventional crops next to organic and finding that the organic crops have higher levels of antioxidants and more vitamin C. Um, They're finding that organic is is better, as I mentioned, at preserving and enriching soil. There's no um, soil degradation. degradation, and It's protecting water sources. It uses less fossil fuels. Uh, There's a study done by the University of Michigan recently that that found that Organic crops can yield the same in developing countries as conventional crops. The yields are the same, and actually the food production could double or triple. Um, There's less damage to the environment, and the study at the University of Michigan found that organic could actually feed the world, Um, contrary to some of the myths that are out there that organic can't feed the world. So there's more and more research that's coming out that's showing showing the benefits of organic. Now, over, what
1: about the, the market force playing field in terms of farm subsidies, uh, you know, the prices of conventional crops versus the prices of organic crops, Can
2: Right. That's a good point. Uh, the subsidies, uh, the U.S. government um, gives out about more than $20 billion a year in, sub- in, in subsidies, mostly to conventional much all to conventional farming. Organic farmers don't get the subsidies that the conventional farmers do and as a result they, it's harder for them. Conventional farmers can make a good amount from the subsidies so the organic farmers have a little bit of a tougher time which is one reason why they have to charge more for their, for their crops because they're not getting the the government payments that the conventional farmers are getting.
1: Uh, you no know, we, we spoke of you know environmental risk, um, you know the unfolding story uh, just this week, uh, the Boston Globe was reporting on uh, you know published research that farmers uh, as well as um, uh, those in the textile industry uh, profession have a lot more autoimmune disorders What do we know what What have you heard through through your research or your 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 professional experience uh, can in terms of now you know, the, the generations of American farmers who have grown using these pesticides and, and nitrate fertilizers?
2: It's a real, um, real risk, a real problem. Uh, pesticide exposure um, is a real problem for conventional farmers. Um, when you consider that about 2 billion pounds of pesticides are, are used each year in the United States, and that's an astounding figure when you when you consider that just a few drops of a pesticide can can kill a person. Um, so, and pesticide exposure has been linked to cancer, brain damage, weakened immunity, uh, reproductive problems, and I've I've spoken to some farmers, some organic farmers who used to farm conventionally, mm-hmm. and they tell me stories about health problems that they used to have when they were farming conventionally because of the pesticide exposure, and it forced them to, to switch to, to start producing organic, and when this happened, their health problems went away. Hmm. The problems they were having went away, so it's these, the pesticides are a real, a real threat to conventional farmers. It's a real health risk.
1: Now the unfolding uh, message that, um, given the fact that we have this puzzling and, and very troubling incidence of um, behavior and learning uh, disabilities, autism, attention deficit, aggressive behavior in our in our children, and, and you know linking pesticides to uh, to, to to autism to, to premature birth. Um, you know, common if you would please that University of Washington study a couple of years ago, looking at uh, children, um, th- their diet, what mo- you know, the mothers that fed their children organic versus conventional, and the pesticide r- residues uh, actually within these these children's tissues can.
2: Yeah, the um, that's pretty well known study at the University of Washington. They looked at. Um, preschool children. They analyzed, I think, the blood and urine of preschool children, and they found that for the children that were eating organic, they had six to nine times lower pesticide residues in their body compared to the children that were fed conventional foods. So that was a pretty significant study, and the the researchers recommended that eating organic was a simple means to reduce children's exposure to pesticides. Children especially are at risk to uh, to pesticides because their bodies are, are still developing. And that's one of the big benefits of, of eating organic is that it reduces your exposure to pesticides. Consumer Reports also did a study founding that organic foods had significantly fewer pesticide residues than conventional foods.
1: Well, that would seem to to fuel, at least you would hope it would get to the consciousness, and we'll talk about, you know, educating consumers because I think, um, you know, some of the recent reports uh, indicating, Ken, that consumers, uh, even with GMO foods, have no idea that it's already on the grocery store shelves. We'll return Ken Roseboro joining us today. He's a noted journalist, the author of The Organic Food Handbook, the editor and publisher of the non-GMO report. Joining us today right here on Healthy Talk Radio, I'm Deborah Ray.